Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. And that knocking you hear. Um, oh, yeah, it's totally Jade Helm. They're coming after Steven. It's it's okay. Nothing to see here. Last time you're going to hear me on the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> um, today, yesterday, we were going to maybe attempt it, but one, they were still working on his roof at his apartment, and two, good grief, it was just excruciatingly hot to the point where air conditioning wasn't doing good where I was at. I live upstairs, so I was so air conditioning doesn't reach as well. Oh, I, it was it was bad for me too, and um, I got central air in this place. It usually does really really well, especially when I th- set the thermostat just a little bit lower than what I would normally uh, set it on. And then yesterday, I was just sweating balls. <laughs> like my whole my chair was soaked and everything, but I'm upstairs in this room and this wall and then the wall that I'm facing are both outside walls to the building, so that doesn't help with the heat. So, um, to, but today, um, and it sounds like they just got done. done. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Well, as long as they as long as they're doing what they need to before winter, I guess um, <laughs> that's an important thing. Um, today um, is uh, kind of a it is a controversial topic because of the reactions to it, uh, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and today started the official kickoff for um, military exer- war game exercise called Jade Helm Fifteen. And and you actually brought this up because I, I initially was going to be like, you know what, you know, everybody else is talking about it. Let's let, let's leave leave the crazy people over there. And but you were like, well, there's some interesting things about it. You actually asked veteran a veteran military veteran. Yeah, I did. Um, before I talk about that. I'll- I'll go ahead and just mention how I kind of feel generally about it. Because at first, you were—I think you were the one that sent me an article about it, and so I read into it a little bit because I've been hearing about it lately, and uh, it just seemed like something a little bit different than what we've talked about recently. So I figured we'd go ahead and give it a give it a go, give it a gander. Um, anyway, from what I've read from all the different. Uh, pieces that I have read, usually the problem that I see, and I was just talking to Thomas about this before we started the broadcast, um, is that most articles tend to try to immediately point out, and this is a problem with the articles, even regardless of where their stance is with the situation, is that they, they start their argument or the description of the situation with that Jade Helm is a military exercise taking place uh, or a multi-state exercise taking place and of course since it says multi-state it's within the United States taking place in I think it's Arizona, Utah, Texas southern part of California and then uh, Nevada is that right? Um, let me clarify because I may be saying something wrong it, it is multi-state um Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado. And and one of the things that kind of caused people to go, whoa, wait a minute, is what, you know, Texas is considered for the purpose of that exercise, quote unquote, hostile territory. Um, another place is too. And and I, 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 in our little document that we put together, I put a screenshot of file properties for the PDF in question because I think they use power. They use PowerPoint to put this thing together, and the file creation date was um, oh come on, you know, June fourth, two thousand seven, which I I think it was just some template that they reused. So they plan these things. They plan these things in advance anyway. Well, and for for a lot of military exercises, um, they, they do tons of planning beforehand. They will do um, – and for this exercise in particular, I want to say this before we get into it too far because uh, 
a lot of people were just plain freaking out about this issue because, number one, the first thing that they point out, and the mistake that I was talking about earlier about a lot of articles, what they point out is that it's taking place on American soil, which, I mean, military training exercises have always taken place on military soil, but they're taking place on private property. So people point that out immediately, like, oh, no, they're going to take away our rights. <laughs> I guess there could be an argument made for both sides, but from, from what I see and from what I've read, you don't have to worry about a damn thing. And the military wouldn't be doing a hostile takeover one little bit at a time. They would be issuing martial law in more populated, heavily populated states. Texas is one of those states. But so is California, uh, New York, most of the uh, East Coast, for that matter. Florida would be another big one. But it is, it's not a hostile takeover. It's not martial law. So nobody has to worry about that. And and I want to clarify something. Um, a lot of people are not fans of Alex Jones, and I can understand why. But it irritates me when they can't get their fa- basic facts right. They're, they're saying, oh, they said this, when what they said is similar but not quite the same. They're claiming – they're attributing the whole argument of it's a martial law takeover to him when he actually did not say that. Um, now, what he did say doesn't sound much better, but what he is arguing is it's an incremental type of thing, sort of like boiling a frog – slowly but surely and before you know it the frog is dead it's kind of he argues it's going to be incremental getting people used to the idea of troops being in the streets um i don't necessarily agree with what he's saying on that but i do understand concerns why people would be worried about things like that going back to the founding of the country but there's a big difference between Oh, it's it's in preparation for something later down the road, and oh, it's happening now. Because logically, if something like that were to happen now, do you think people would put up with it, or they would be like, uh, no? If there were to be like a martial law of some sort initiated uh, in the United States, okay, so we're both from Missouri. <laughs> For those of you, if we have some listeners that are outside of Missouri, or even if we have some from international, I'm going to explain something to you. <laughs> and I'm going to do this as simple as I can do. Right. Um, Missouri is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> okay? So you're going to walk and say the military decides to enact martial law. If you go to a rural town in Missouri, you decide to just knock on some random guy's door there's a 99% chance that that guy has a gun in the house. Okay, so there you go. Second Amendment. We have the ability to carry uh, own weapons, own guns. The reason for that is, is for, and it states in the Constitution, there's also some specific clauses in the uh, Declaration of Independence that also back this up. The reason why it was put there in the Constitution in the first place. However, it wasn't in the Articles of Confederation. We can talk about a history lesson later on, but... uh, the reason why that was put in there is for if, in the situation that the, the, the government decides to take over or any kind of situation like this, the people have the right, not, and not only the right, the responsibility to overthrow its government. That's why the Second Amendment is there. So if that ever ended up happening where martial laws instituted, especially in rural areas, I don't think it can go over very well. Most people already own guns. Me personally, if somebody threatens my home, <laughs> comes into my home, trying to say like, "Hey, you got to do exactly what I say," or whatever, as long as they're not pointing a gun at me, it's probably going to be okay. But they decided to point a gun at me, and I'm going to start pointing a gun back. I would defend myself. <laughs> Which is the whole point. If if something extreme happens right then and there, there's going to be a negative reaction anyway. Um, which is why an argument was made. Oh, if they're going to do, if some corrupt entity is going to do it, they're going to do it slowly but surely, incrementing it, incrementing incremental piece at a time until next thing you know, it's in place. Um, 
I have my misgivings about that argument as well. But if you're going to if you're going to argue against against somebody who basically is as a friend of mine, Mitchell Brown put it, is revolution for sale. <laughs> I like that. Um, then you might as well get all of your facts straight and basically you don't have to demonize them and exaggerate what they're saying. You just have to use their exact words. And bear in mind as well that there are those who are on this person's side who are also military veterans as well and all of that. So uh, that's what you have to contend with. With that said, it, as Shaggy was saying, it is a, it is a um, war game exercise. And I think the size and scope of it though, I've read somewhere that it's not necessarily the biggest they've ever had, but the size and scope of it is fairly big. So, um, it's the way that I read into it is that it's larger than it's been in a while, especially on something that's taking place on uh, soil. And then the, the other problem with this, I don't remember if I mentioned it earlier or not, but it's taking place on private property. And there's a lot of people that are taking, uh, to seeing a problem with that. And, um, as Thomas and I were discussing earlier before the podcast, once again. Um, personally, I don't see a problem with that, and I'm going to explain why. If the military were to be taking some or uh, performing some sort of war game exercise or training exercise on American soil, which that's where they've done it before anyway, it's just probably been on military training grounds, not private property. If they were to be doing it on private property, number one, they're not probably going to, they're probably not going to march into a a heavily uh, uh, populated area like uh, Boston or New York City or whatever. They're going to go somewhere where it's someone who owns probably a lot of land. That's why they picked Texas. There's a lot of people that own a lot of land there. And they would, they would go to that person, the person that owns that property. And it's probably a lot of businesses too because not only are they going to walk up and they're going to ask for permission, they're going to I don't know how nicely it would be. I mean, there might be a little bit of force behind it, but they are going to be asking for permission. And in some cases, they're probably going to pay them because like you were saying earlier, there's going to be some military contractors involved. And that might be where some of this property is coming from as well. It may be owned by those military contractors or independent independent people with, I guess that would, would constitute a military contractor. But I don't see a problem with it, if, if, so long as it's following those guidelines. And most likely it is. I don't see a reason why it wouldn't. Oh, and all throughout the roof being thumped on, <laughs> um, the big the big concern with the whole private property thing and coordinating with local law enforcement, that's where things kind of get scary for some because the Posse Comitatus Act was passed Ironically, you know, another history lesson post-Civil War era. Ironically, it was ironically passed by those who were fan- who were segregation anyway. But um, it's the ironic twist of having a benefit for everybody. Posse comitatus was intended to prevent um, the military from acting as the local police. And if you look through history, there have been times where they have acted in an emergency capacity and have actually gotten in trouble for it. Um, if if you look at the Wikipedia article and look at the source regarding, regarding that instance for acting in that capacity when it was beyond their bounds to do so. So they, they haven't been pristine. They've screwed up. Uh, and I have this open. I have our notes open on my phone because I'm not going to look over there because my, my current chair doesn't rotate. Um, mine but it is. is my, mine's yeah. more comfortable than that stool. Um, it, it was at the end of Reconstruction that <laughs> passed. And they later amended it to add the Air Force. Uh, to the restrictions. Uh, National Guard is an exception made um, because they can be invited by the state's governor when the need arises. And the Coast Guard 
they don't fall under Department of Defense anyway. Uh, they're under Homeland Security's umbrella. But the Navy and Marine Corps have regulations that closely follow the act as well. Um, the only exceptions that can be made is when local state government doesn't follow the Constitution, like the aftermath of the Brown versus Board of Education case. Um, so there are some exceptions to that as well. Now, some responses to Jade Helm. Um, in Texas, National Guard at, will monitor the exercise. I think in some states as well, other states as well. John Stewart kind of made fun of it to an extent. Um, although, realistically, since National Guard can also be um, pulled overseas if they are needed, um, wouldn't it make sense for them to be able to at least see what's going on and learn from it anyway? And plus, if you're Lone Star State, you talked about it being the Lone Star State, Texas. They were their own country, meaning they have a lot of people there. So um, you're governor of state of Texas. You want to quell any panic anyway, <laughs> which I imagine any governor is going to be between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> um, to me, I think it's a good call. Um, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that at the moment. For, for the most part, I can agree with that. Um, I can see, actually, you know, I can't, I don't think I can necessarily see where there would be a problem in involving the National Guard. If anything, what it can do is, just like you said, not only will it train them and give them an opportunity to see, like, how a different branch of the military actually functions, even though the National Guard, yeah, they're military, but they're they're kind of their own thing. Um, They're primarily exactly what they say national guard but they can be deployed overseas if the situation arises that they need troops or more troops overseas kind of, that's why they call them the weekend warriors <laughs> they're there just in case yeah. um, and it's for good reason um, but not only can they tr- uh, learn something from the exercise but also it will actually benefit um, the military and both the people so it's a mutual benefit it allows to keep the way I see it is it can quell any sort of uh, anxiety or uh, problems from arising from the situation that we're talking about right now where tensions are arising because it took, it's starting today. So they're going through their military training exercise on private property. So if, if there's a situation where they might put the public might see something, I mean, Based on what I've, I think we've already talked about this, based on what we've read, what I've read and what I've heard, the design of the training exercises to not be seen. So don't think they're going to have to worry about that. And I don't think there's going to be any live fire. If there was, it would be in an area where there aren't people. Um, one of the speeches that one of the people from the contractors, which is not in the show notes, but basically did say it was going to be blanks anyway um and really this isn't the first war game exercise to happen on american soil there's things like bold alligator uh robin sage uh during a bridge um these two happened on 9-11 which also fueled uh feel some theories behind that uh global guardian and vigilant guardian so, so that and that's the tricky thing about exercises. If the timing of them is just kind of, uh, um, <coughs> is is um, well, I don't know if I want to say just right, but if the timing falls within some catastrophe, uh, that's going to raise eyebrows, no matter what what the intent actually <laughs> was. So, um, these aren't the only extra war game exercises. Um, and your your friend your friend basically um, explained why media is not going to be allowed to necessarily participate, which you know makes sense. Um, well, and from the military standpoint, 
would you want the media reporting on what you're training your troops on, especially national media? One thing that my friend pointed out, now, he, he was in the military for 20 years, uh, Air Force, I believe. Uh, I don't think he was ever deployed or anything. I don't remember. I never asked him. It's not a, something you want to ask him that. But um, what he told me is, like, the, the reason why they won't be involved is because if, in the case that you have the national media involved, and then it gets on national television, if it's live, it doesn't necessarily even have to be live. A lot of live shows are recorded anyway. Um, that gets broadcasted out not just nationally. It goes to Canada, it goes to Mexico, it goes to Japan, China, Russia, which Russia is technically our ally, but we've never always seen eye to eye. And we're only allies for the sake of being allies, and so we don't fight. Um, and we definitely don't want the, anyone from the Middle East getting a hold of this, because then if they see it, then they'll know they, they can look at it, continually, repeatedly look at it, and find our weaknesses. We don't want that. <laughs> no. Uh, the bad, the, it's how Robin, the joke that Robin Williams did on one of his stand-ups where where basically said, I, oh, gee, I hope they don't watch TV and find out how we're doing this. <laughs> you know, um, they, they, the media was allowed to cover some special forces stuff in the past, according to what I've read. But um, on that, that standpoint, it makes sense. Um, the other flip side of that argument could be, well, we've, we did, you know, we didn't do necessarily this type of training off of military installations, and we did just fine in, say, uh, World War One and World War Two. Um, then again, then again, you know, guerrilla tactics weren't involved, and there was a reason George Washington avoided them whenever possible because he only used them when uh, during the Revolutionary War. He had to have his troops survive. He used them when necessary, but he also knew the downside to guerrilla warfare, which is it drags things out for a very, very long period of time. It does. And that's because primarily, considering the Revolutionary War, war, we got that from the Indians, just to let you know. Another little history tidbit. Um, Guerrilla warfare is designed to have smaller groups of troops and for those of you that don't know what it is, it's basically just hit-and-run tactics. Um, the Egyptians have used it in the past in certain major battles that they've had. Uh, the Brit- British never did. They're all about form. <laughs> that was their downfall, part of it. And their greed for land and everything else. Um, let's see. Uh, Middle East, different places in the Middle East have used it. The Hittites, which were... Uh, a civilization that were up against the China, uh, Chinese, the hell, uh, Egyptians. Uh, I don't know if the Chinese have used have used it in the past. I think they might have. I know the Mongols for sure did. But either way, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, <clears throat> so, but there, but there is the art when they call it unconventional warfare. They're they're specifically talking things like guerrilla tactics and things like that, which. Which you know there could be the argument against that. Going, look, um, you you forgot about lessons of the Civil War, which is, which you know one of the good things that came out of it for the sake of World War One is the U.S. military figured out that white trench warfare was a very very bad idea because you're you're not going to get a definitive conclusion because everything's dragged out for so long. If trench warfare wasn't used by the Confederacy, uh, the Civil War would have ended sooner. (laughs) Um, That's primarily just because um, the Union comprised of more states, only by a slight margin, but there was also a much higher population in the northern states rather than the southern states. And the thing that the South had going for them is military tactics. That's why they used the trench warfare so they could drag it out and slowly 
dwindled down the Union's forces. And most people don't know, but Gen uh, General Lee, Robert E. Lee, was an amazing, amazing tactician. Absolutely brilliant. And the last of the five generals that the Union had, uh, Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, was just a drunk. <laughs> so... And and in the end, Grant figured out what he was doing. He, Lee was creating the illusion that his army was huge, or the forces were huge, when in fact they were not. And so, you know, doing the whole bum-rushing them all at once, which actually, if previous generals had done it, they would have probably won much faster, but it is what it is. Um, but they saw what was happening in World War One and decided we're not going to participate in that. You're not going to, you're going to only wind up slowly killing yourselves in trench warfare. You have to, you have to find a way to take it to them because if you're stuck here, you're only delaying the inevitable loss, which is, which was their argument. They, they learned their lesson. So that's a, that's another argument against quote unquote unconventional warfare, which, which, I'm assuming that has to be done anyway because no official war has been declared by Congress against certain hostile areas. So it's kind of, eh, what do you do? Um, from, from a military tactical standpoint, sometimes you have to make that choice because it's not just about victory. You also have to deal with the fact that you can lose people. Bullets kill. <laughs> so military leaders do have to take that into consideration. And that is that's sorry, go ahead. Oh you you're you go ahead. Well and that's one reason why I like uh, this is gonna be funny. Um why uh the, the Germans during well even before World War Two, during World War One and World War Two, they have a tactic called Blitzkrieg. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically lightning warfare. And the idea behind it was attack as fast as you possibly can with as much as you possibly can. Strong and fast. The Germans are always about big and loud and quick. <laughs> so attack with everything you've got as quickly as you've got. Theoretically, you can reduce the amount of lives that are lost on your side. And sometimes you can take the, uh, the, your enemy by surprise, by doing that. And so, and like I said, it depends upon, depends on what you're trying to get accomplished. And sometimes those decisions have to be made. Uh, this whole thing is going to happen through September. So, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if uh, anybody's uh, able to capture anything that they're doing. And that could, Ironically, it could add to their training as well with uh, independent groups forming just for the sake of monitoring them. So now they have more to dodge. So I'm starting to wonder if, if, if one, they screwed up on purpose to do what's called a trial balloon. A uh, trial balloon is when government leaks information just to see how the population reacts. And then they make decisions from there. Um, but it could be the dual purpose of that and adding additional obstacles to the troops that are training. So that could be a very, very interesting benefit to them. Because <coughs> now you have to dodge suspicious civilians with cameras, which that's going to be challenging enough. And because while it's while the bulk of the exercises aren't going to take place in populated cities, you may have rendezvous points inside of a populous city to kind of figure out how to stealthily move about and things like that. So they're they're not going to go in a city all at once, but they may, one or two may meet at a rendezvous point and then go go on. Um, but I I think it's going to be very very interesting to see if any of these groups can spot them or not. Um, it's kind of it's always the interesting dynamic between federal government and private citizen. So it's 
Um, it's going to get interesting with the next couple of months to see. That's for sure. Um, speaking of interesting, um, and you know, if somebody is making huge surge presidential campaign wise before 2016, they're probably not going to get the nomination and they're probably going to be out of the race before you know it. Um, Ever since seeing seeing Donald Trump, I have done nothing but internally facepalm myself. I guarantee you, all the Republican candidates for president right now can't stand him. It's like the the awkward moment of the awkward person in the room, like oh, because <laughs> he. This isn't the first time he said he was going to run. This time, he appears to actually be attempting it under the Republican nomination. Um, so, um, but uh, ballot, Ballotpedia has, uh, .org has a list of actual candidates. Though they don't necessarily list all the candidates per se. Um, there, there's been some libertarian candidates. Jill Stein's declared a candidate. She's definitely going to run for sure from the looks of it. Um, oh, come on, darn thing. So that's long story short. Yes. There's more than just Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. There's a couple of others. Um, Chafee's running under the democratic ticket this time, trying to get the nomination as well. So, but the Republican party, it's a crowded primary which could spell issues for them down the road, <laughs> especially when a loudmouth comes in saying, I can do this because I'm a rich man and uh, I'm a savvy businessman. And um, that may be the case, but before people uh, cheer for him, um, uh, for those who are not fans of abuse of eminent domain, uh, he has had a history of attempting to abuse eminent domain to have uh, luxurious properties built for commercial purposes. Um, he's also been accused of being a plant by the Democrat a DNC plant because of his past donations to well-known Democratic political figures, Hillary Clinton, um, Harry Reid being among them. So it, it's... Um, he, he's not the first celebrity to run. Uh, Fred Thompson has attempted to kind of sort of run for president. He dropped out quickly afterwards, though he was a U.S. Senate for, for a time. Reagan was an actor before he ran for president. Some people don't know that. And then, of course, you've got the governor over in California. <laughs> Although the the only only thing preventing um, Schwarzenegger from running is the Constitution. Um, yeah, the fact that he was born in Austria. Yep, because um, naturalized citizens are ineligible to run, and part of the reason behind that was uh, the founders of the country saw the problems of you know royalty marrying just to, in a political move to kind of usurp a country and take it over, and they wanted to avoid that potential issue. So they're like, okay, you know, we have a process where you can become a citizen, but uh, we're not going to put you in charge of our military, basically. Um, not not at the highest echelons. Uh, that's, I think that's the reason why Janet Reno couldn't necessarily run for president either. Uh, she, was, uh, she was naturalized, if memory serves. So she, you know, that would be another example of somebody who couldn't run for president. But... Um, but uh, uh, you know, uh, after after you know, come to find out, hey, uh, Trump's uh, Trump won his his success is from manipulating uh, bankruptcy laws to his advantage. <coughs> um, he's abused them. <laughs> um, Cracked dot com has an ar- extensive article about that. Um, throughout their hyperbole, it's it's kind of scary and. <laughs> And, and I seriously doubt he's actually worth nine billion. Um, 
you, you notice he, he does business deals after doing something nice and outrageous like question Obama's actual birth certificate um, and things like that. And all of a sudden, after people dump him and disassociate with him, suddenly new business deals, things like that. Um, he's sounds like he's in it for himself. So, Well, and I, I put this in the show notes so you can take a look at it too. Recently, uh, I, I follow George Decay on Facebook. So this, I think that's how I found this out. I'm not 100% sure. But we all know what's happened in the last, like it was within the last month, there was a, a ruling from the Supreme Court on marriage equality. And they ruled in favor of marriage equality. Right. Donald Trump had a, a statement on it, and George Decay called him out. Right. Um, I don't remember exactly what was said in the video. And I, I like George Decay. I supported everything that he did say in that video. And he, he puts it very, very eloquently. So there's no way that I could ever reproduce what he said. Very intelligent man. <laughs> And he, Takei himself even goes to say that Trump is also an intelligent man. But just like you said earlier, he said that he's out for himself because literally he will say anything he possibly can to support his own himself. Because there's been times, and this is in the show notes, there's been times when he like previously was uh, for abortion. And now, which I think that was roughly five to ten years ago, and now he's against abortion, except for in specific cases where the mother is either a victim of rape or uh, there are complications with the baby or there's potential harm to the mother in some way, shape, or form. Um, Also, he uh, at one point did actually support marriage equality, and now on a recent something recent that he recently said on this ruling was that he supports traditional marriage. And even his definition of traditional marriage is that a man and a woman get together and it's the way it's supposed to be. But that's also including that they don't get a divorce. There's no, which is adultery. I mean, if you go into biblical crap, I won't get into that here. Right. Uh, there's a few other things involved as well, but for those of you that have been following Trump or know anything about Trump that he's had, what is it, six wives? Is that is that the right number? Um, I can't I remember. Three times, according to the Huffington Post piece. Um, well, either way, the, the point is, is that he's had multiple wives, even though he came out with a statement saying he's for traditional marriage. After previously, he said that he was... He was for marriage equality. Basically, proving that he will literally say anything he fucking can to support himself. And that's the problem with him running for president right now. And go ahead. I'll get on with myself. (laughs) He reminds me of a local candidate um, from Cass County who. Who you know? He ran for county commissioner, and he ran on the whole Tea Party wave, and actually defeated the incumbent. The only problem is that he was a convicted felon back in 1995. <laughs> which, which, to be fair, I would argue that Missouri's retroactive law violates the Constitution, um, because my interpretation of the Constitution is correct. No state laws can violate the U.S. Constitution either. Um, no way can they do that. That is correct. Um, unfortunately, the Missouri Supreme Court upheld upheld uh, his upheld the restriction barring him from state offices. Now, as a convicted felon, he can run for U.S. level offices, such as U.S. House of Representatives, Senate, uh, even President. <laughs> but. To be fair, I thought that was a horrible, horrible law, and that prevents people who've fallen through the cracks from truly redeeming themselves. Um, point being, uh, Cass County prosecutor basically went after him because he won the election, but he had no right to run in the first place. 
So he gets thrown out of office because of his not previous felony conviction. And so he suddenly decides to run for U.S. House of Representatives on the Democratic ticket in a primary against the same Cass County prosecutor running for 4th District um, in Missouri, which would have put them the winner up against uh, Vicki Hartzler. What they wound up doing was turning libertarian by answering certain questions on the world's smallest political quiz correctly to point them towards, oh, I'm a libertarian. Um, The guy's not a real libertarian. He never was. Um, Maybe they can change their views down the road, but um, he did it for the sole purpose of being able to run um, and saying whatever it took to do that. I ran for Congress in 2012. I beat him in the primary. Um, the only I was only interested in running at fourth district anyway because I'm like, why would I run in a dis- for a district that I don't even live in? That didn't make sense to me. So I ran fourth, beat him. Um, he messages me my fa- my candidate fan page in all caps, <laughs> going, "Oh, this guy, the guy was a sore loser." Ironically, he wound up on the. Um, state committee and all that good stuff, but um, but that's an example of you know I'm in it for me. Um, he's been accused. Trump's been accused of being a DNC plant, and I can understand why. Some of his latest wedding, the Clintons attended it. Um, so it, it's just kind of like so it, it's. I guess in that case, that's probably just for Hillary <laughs> to support her image. Pretty She's much. To support a, and it's it's a good strategy. Don't get me wrong; it's it's a brilliant strategy, if anything. Support your uh, your enemy in this case in the primary or whatever it be in the election. Making your face being known and just being there is. Good for yourself because that shows everyone else involved or anyone else that keeps up the politics that hey, I'm not mad at this person. Yes, we have different views, but that doesn't mean we can't be with each other. And then, of course, as soon as the whole race is over, they're probably not going to be seen together again. But the idea is out there. Well, this this wedding happened way before the primary season. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. He's even donated to the Clinton Foundation of Memory Serves. It's. I do think I remember seeing that. Seeing that somewhere. So it's like, it, it, it's it's likely as you were saying before, is he's in it for himself and yeah. in it to keep name recognition in the press, <laughs> and. And um, it's it's honestly it's uh, fulfilling John Stewart's uh, big dream of at least having the last few weeks of him being on the Daily Show to be as entertaining as possible because he he's he's leaving this fall so he can focus on other things that make him happy. Um, it's it's doing the same thing for so long one gets tired of it after a while. So it sounds like he's doing something that that you know brings out the youth in him again and at least he's going out being entertained because that i'm sorry announcing your candidacy after coming down a freaking escalator (laughs) 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 And, and the thing of it is trump knows he's full of it but that's how he's been able to market himself anyway so so name recognition that's that's a better way of marketing your, yourself um, it unfortunately right now he's overshadowing all the other candidates including you know a governor a senator a former governor of Florida and everything else it's just heck, heck Carly Fiona or Carly she was a very, very high up person in Facebook business experience who didn't use bankruptcy laws to her advantage. So, (laughs) so it's, uh, I think it's going to be, 
interesting. I I see him kind of exiting at some point, if not before two thousand six, probably around the beginning of two thousand six. He'll he'll be gone out the door if he does. You mean two thousand sixteen? Two thousand sixteen, yes. Uh, but um, I. <laughs> I don't see him lasting for very, very long. I don't either. I, don't, I think it's, it's going to be more of a crash and burn. And he's going to do it in the only way he can <laughs> by throwing his name out there and saying anything he possibly can to make himself look good. Um, and and the son, son of the recently escaped Mexican drug war, <laughs> drug lord, um, uh, you know, Tweeting him saying, "I'm going to make you eat your words." Well, in all fairness, Trump did say, "I would kick their ass." <sighs> like, oh, great situations where, like, I'm not going to lie. I have situations where I open my mouth and I stick my foot in it. But I think Trump beats anybody, <laughs> honestly, like hands down or feet down. In this case, since he's sticking his foot in his mouth. It's either that, or he's taking a step in a giant pile of shit, and he knows he's doing it, and then he goes, cleans his foot off, and then does it, does it again. It's the definition of insanity. And, and it's, it's a marketing. marketing. It's, it's marketing. marketing. And it sounds like I'm echoing again for a second there. Probably a little bit. <laughs> That's My all right. Internet connection, I don't know. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, right now it's just the sideshow before the real thing pops up. So 2016 still a few months away. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't see him making it much further than he has. He, it's a temporary surge in the polls because he's resonating with people who 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 have you know issues with immigration and. And what have you? So, it's and they they they're fervent believers against illegal immigration. Never mind our own American history on that. Um, but it's, it's you know kind of a flash in the pan. He's turning into a one-issue candidate, and that's um, even past presidential candidates in the Republican Party have focused on more than one issue at a time. Um, you have to if you're going to be running for an office like this. I'm not <coughs> sorry. I'm not usually one that like enjoys talking about politics. I don't know if I've enjoyed this podcast. <laughs> um, but if you're if you're going to be running for an office, you've got to support more than one thing. Like you, you want to you want to be able to draw a larger base than what you already have, and. At the same time, you don't want to lose the base that you currently have. So you want to be able to increase, influence other people. That way you can draw in more votes, therefore winning the election. But you, you can't just stop there. You have to go on and, like, you have to follow through with that. We've seen that in the past with a lot of different uh, situations. Presidential candidates, uh, uh, Senate, Congress, you name it. You see that problem. This. I guess that's just because we're human, and then the nature of the beast is politics. Right. People are going to throw stuff out there willy-nilly. I mean, Trump's the best at it, honestly. <laughs> and it's going to it's gonna overshadow right now other candidates who are running, and honestly, that field for the GOP is way too overcrowded. Um, you're probably going to see some candidates bowing out before 2016 because – that's that's way too many people. Um, that that the list from that that you posted from Wikipedia looks just about as long as like the yeah, what's it called? I can't remember. It takes place after the primary, and it's before the actual uh, general election. It, well, you have a large enough people amount of people. That list looks larger than the amount of people that were actually that in the last recent elections, major elections. Oh yeah, for presidential candidates, it's ridiculous. So maybe it's a good thing that he's a flash in the pan, trying to weed out some of the others. 
Yeah, that could be a bad thing too, because then some of the others could actually be supporting some things and actually be a fairly decent candidate. But only one person can get it, so sorry. <laughs> and and considering the fact that um, the GOP has violate RNC has violated their own rules in the past uh, regarding presidential candidates. Um, uh, there were people trying to do the infiltration thing for delegates and what have you. And, and there were those who also showed up to stop that um, as well, but rules were blatantly violated. So even if Trump makes it as far as he does, he's not going to, he's probably not going to even get the nomination anyway. Um, he's, he's pissing off too many people. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it much farther. I don't think he'll make it into 2016. And if he does, there is no way in hell he's going to make the actual uh, nomination. I don't, I don't see it at all. Not unless he pulls something out of his ass. That's <laughs> not to say that he won't. <laughs> he'll try anything. And, and if you start, your declaration, if you say how much you're worth in your declaration speech, that's not going to go over real well either. Um, a gentleman basically told me that, well, he's got business savvy, but then I start pointing out, but you know what? A presidential candidate needs to start doing. When they're asked about how are you going to fix the economy, you need to look and say point blank, I'm not going to, because that is it's not my job as president. I'm part of the executive branch. That is something for the legislative to try to craft for a president to consider going, okay, is this a good idea? If not, veto it. If it's something that is blatantly unconstitutional, veto it. There's supposed to be checks and balances in existence for a reason. And, well, and people look to a president to solve all their problems, and they forget that um, they need to talk to their legislator, their senators. Actually, go to their local legislator and senators, too, because that's where a lot of the stuff – that's where the real action's at, especially during midterms. And a lot of people become career politicians in various states because they run unopposed. I forgot what I was going to say earlier. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, sorry, we were talking about something that in my head. Um, around the time where you said the economy should fix itself uh, and all that good stuff. I, but I, I, I'm sure it'll pop in your head after this is over and be like, ah. And, and the, 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 oh, I think I remember what it was. I'll probably get back to it while I talk about the general idea of what it was. He's like, I know where it was, sort of. Um, anyway, going back to the, the fact that the economy should fix itself, that doesn't mean that the government could, should not be involved at all. And just like you said, there are checks and balances in place for a reason. Just like the the reason why the reason and the way that the Constitution is written, it's there for a reason. Now, like just like you said, the, the, the legislative branch is supposed to craft the laws. People and the problem with this is that people do look towards the president and say, "Hey, fix our problems." Because let's face it, most of the people that are out there, they can't even under they don't even understand the basics of American government or government in general. They assume that as soon as someone that's not uh, that hasn't been, how do I say this? <laughs> this is really difficult. Someone who has uh, doesn't follow the norm of someone who's been in the office before. In the case of Obama, they immediately like the, the problem that I see, at least on Facebook and so any other social media, or just just from talking and listening to people, they comment on what he looks like rather than. What what issues do he, does he stand on? What has he done in office? What what has his administration done while he was in office? 
That's what people should focus on, not the fact not the fact that he's there. That he's a figurehead, okay? He has some powers. Yeah, he can veto a law if it comes across his desk. And yes, he can sit up there and then spout anything he can possibly think of out of his mouth. That's part of his job, <laughs> to make the people listen to him and speak. And But it's, it's the legislative branch that creates the laws. He, it comes across his desk. He can feed to it. But that also doesn't mean that he can't go out and say, hey, I think this this should go this direction or this needs to happen for the economy. He can say that. Yeah, there's nothing stopping him from saying that. And if anything, that's a good thing. He can throw out those ideas and then people start talking and throw ideas back. That's democracy. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work. Well, um, and I, I refrain from using the phrase democracy because – we have el- we more elements of democracy do appear at a local level than on the national level. That's yeah. true. That is every, very true. Glad you brought that up. Because every time somebody says we're a democracy, I go, well, before you call it that, you might want to go reread Article Four, Section Four of the Constitution. This isn't the Ro- the Roman Republic. It said a republican form, not not the Ro- same as the Romans setting up a republic. They set it up because you know there were benefits to democracy, like the Greeks and ancient history, but there were also some downsides. If too many people were blindly led down a certain path, well, that could lead to some catastrophe too. So some checks and balances were built in to kind of mitigate some of those things. And the Constitution was a compromise between disagreeing viewpoints – at that convention in question. So but that's, that's why, I, why I cringe when I said we're a democracy. I'm like, not quite. I'm glad you brought that up because I do know that. I was it, that as a generality and that was my mistake. Oh, that, that's <laughs> fine. It's everything that you said is 100% true. And I stand by that as well. <laughs> um, it, it, it should be said more often. On, on local level, for for people who gather in groups, you'll see more democratic elements because it'll it works better in smaller groups than in larger groups where things can get pretty hairy. Like like with the RNC, um, they people were trying to manipulate rules to their advantage, and those were actually the rules. But the RNC blatantly ignored them because. You know, they were kind of the establishment was cozy in their little seats of power for that group, so they didn't want to give that up. Um, so it's the nature of the beast, I suppose. Um, think, but I do think that that this was a very, very productive episode of the podcast, and it sounds like they're done knocking on your roof now. Yeah, I think they've been done for a little over thirty minutes. They got done before nine. Yeah, and that's good. Um, hopefully, they'll be done tomorrow, so you don't have to put up with it. I hope so. I'd like to be able to park in my driveway again. Oh wow! <laughs> so your driveway's taken up by them. Yeah, they. <coughs> some of the other houses in the neighborhood—they've been parking their trailers and everything else. For us, like half of the driveway is open, so I probably could park there, but I shouldn't stay out of the way of that. And they've got nails all over the place. It's kind of annoying. So. Oh. Well, that, that's okay. Um, looks like um, end of this month, the uh, the normal some part of the normal ways of getting to work may be blocked off a little bit because they're going to be working on it. I think they're going to be working on McGuire Street. Oh yeah. Um, I'm assuming it it'll become available after like 6 p.m., but it's going to cause a lot of uh, chaos for some people. Uh, what, what part of McGuire Street? Um, heading towards, you know, 13, heading towards, like, Walmart, the the gas stations. Is it the overpass right through there? Yeah. So they're, they're going to be working. They're going to be working on that at the end of the month, resurfacing the roads and what have you. So yeah, uh, I'd imagine they could probably use it. <laughs> There's a lot of roads in that town that are fairly, fairly worn. I think they need to also work on that that piece of Holden Street that there. Uh, yeah, Holden Street that runs up towards behind uh, Lowe's and everything. There's parts right there where that old bridge is. It's in horrible shape. I used to drive there all the time. 
I admit, I, I hope they're not going to work on it right away, though, because that's part of the route I'm going to take to get to work, but we'll see. Um, but I, I think that just about wraps it up for the podcast. Sounds like you're doing a lot better than you were the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I don't know why I'm coughing still, but I had, for those of you guys that don't know, the reason why we hadn't actually recorded anything for a few weeks is because I was sick the very next week. Found out, I thought I had a cold, and then the next week I found out I had bronchitis because it never disappeared. So I was coughing like crazy and was, was troublesome. Anyway, say bye to everybody, Cub. Yep. I guess that's a good way to end the episode, a picture of your dog. Yeah. For those of you who watch YouTube, this is one of my dogs. This is my puppy. He's a pain in the butt. Being a real ham there. Yeah. yeah. He was he was tired of sitting down on the floor, and he's probably going to go downstairs because it's really hot up here. <laughs> so. Well, on that note, let's uh, end this episode, and... And we'll see you all next week. Take it easy, guys.